On today's episode of Locked On A's, we are catching up on a little bit of news that broke late last week. We're also talking a little bit about the CBA and what could be included, according to recent reports. And also there is one, one free agent, just one, that MLB trade rumors projected to sign with the Oakland A's. So we're going to talk about that player and uh, kind of what they represent overall and why they would make sense for the A's this offseason. That's what we got coming up for you guys today. So before we get into it, uh, here's some music for you guys. You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 381 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, Andrew Chafin and Jake Diekman, their options uh, were not picked up. So we're going to talk about what that means we're talking a little bit about the CBA, according to some reports from Evan Drellick and uh, Ken Rosenthal. And then in the final segment, we're talking about Alex Cobb, the one player that got one vote to sign with the Oakland A's over at MLB Trade Rumors in their annual prognostication, Nostradamus, uh, where are these guys going to sign peace? So... Uh, we're going to talk about all of that today, but before we get into anything, thank you so much for making Locked On A's your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. One of those platforms, YouTube, and uh, thank you to everybody who's been subscribing lately. We are up to 209 subscribers. We are pedal to the metal right now. Sky's limit. Uh, are we still doing the to the moon thing? Because to the moon! Um, also make sure to follow the podcast if uh, you're an audio person. Follow it wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. We'll be making very good use of that mailbag this offseason, especially with the baby, uh, which is coming. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, my wife and I are expecting we are roughly six weeks away from... Uh, when we're thinking the baby's coming, but also it could happen at any time. So mailbag away, lockedonathletics.gmail.com. <laughs> but let's get into today's episode. And we're starting with uh, the Jake Deegan news. That's the one that broke first. And when it happened, uh, basically his option was not picked up by the A's. He had a $4 million option, a team option, and the Oakland A's declined that. And I tweeted out, uh, so it begins. And a lot of people liked it. A lot of people responded and said, yeah, he sucks, though. So, oh, well. And, uh, sure. I would... Nuance does not come across. And I was assuming that everybody had listened to my takes on Jake Diekman earlier. Uh, that That's not what Twitter is. Uh, basically, what I had said is his home run rate was higher than usual last year. And basically it would be a decision of, do they think that that is an outlier year and that he, it, he'll he regress back to what he's done in previous years? Or are they gonna start cutting costs and doing it? It'd be an interesting case study. They ended up declining it. And uh, it, are they tearing everything down? Doesn't necessarily mean that, but I think that's how a lot of people on Twitter took it. 
Uh, and also, they they were right. He wasn't great last year, so there's that. Uh, Andrew Chafin also said that uh, that would that would be an interesting case study as well, uh, mostly because the A's, who did pick up his their half of his mutual option, uh, he he declined his half. Uh, is it because the writing's on the wall and the guys are going to do a teardown? But no, not necessarily. It's probably because he pitched his butt off last year and he was really, really good. And he thinks that he can turn that, or the last you know two seasons actually, uh, into a multi-year deal and have more money in his bank account. So he's looking for a raise over the five and a, five and a quarter, I believe, that he was going to be owed uh, from the mutual deal. So does it make sense for both guys? Yeah, kinda. Uh, does it put the A's behind the eight ball a little bit? Yes, it does by a lot because now the A's payroll is seventy-two million dollars without those guys and out without Bob Melvin, I assume. So they, the A's have saved roughly thirteen million dollars. If I'm doing quick math right in my head, thirteen and a quarter, I believe, is because Bob was going to make four as well. So I think that that's the math right there. So they've saved a little bit of money. Um, not that we care that they saved money, but does that mean that they're going to keep everybody together? Not at all, because, and here is the scary part, and I think that this is emblematic of what is to come just because uh, it didn't help the A's for next year. They saved money, sure, but are they going to be able to find decent options that would... Here's what I'm getting at. The A's now have 13 free agents. That's the most in baseball. That's half of a major league roster is now free agents, and I know some of those guys are like Trevor Rosenthal, who didn't pitch for the A's, Mike Fires, who only had a couple of starts. These guys are easily replaceable because they basically played without them the entirety of the season. And uh, then there's guys like Mark Canna and Starling Marte, who were really, really big contributors. You know, they, they could probably find a replacement for Chris Davis, the, the 2021 version of Chris Davis, and probably not for Jed Lowry. He was really, really good for probably the first half, and then second half was fine. Um... So it's going to be, can they f figure out half of a roster for maybe $13 million? No. Would they have to trade some guys to figure that out financially? Probably, yes. And that's kind of what I see these two moves more or less putting into place, is the offseason that we're all kind of dreading, but also kind of gearing up for and you know bracing ourselves for is uh, they got a lot of holes to fill and not a lot of wiggle room financially. They have plenty of room financially when it comes to the, the salary cap, not the salary cap, but, you know, the luxury tax. But uh, in John Fisher's world, where $85 million is probably going to be the, the top end of what he's willing to pay, they got $13 million for 13 spots. Can they find 13 guys for... <laughs> no, they can't. They can't do it is what I'm saying. They'd have to make some trades, and whether that's, you know, Olsen and Chapman, or Olsen, who's going to make, like, $12 million probably next year, or Manai, who's going to make 10 and w getting rid of a couple of guys, or if they're going to go for a full teardown, that remains to be seen. Uh, I think it was John Shea in the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, had There was a quote from uh, David Forrest, the A's, the actual GM. Not Bailey Bean. Bailey Bean, not the GM. He's just the president of baseball ops. Uh, and Forrest was saying that they're still waiting for their brackets. What 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 can they do financially from John Fisher? So they don't know how the offseason is going to go, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But 
If you're waiting on John Fisher to tell you how much money you can spend, I can tell you it's not going to be a lot, you guys. So with all those things in there, I feel like these moves on Thursday or Friday, whenever they happened, um, and we haven't talked about it yet because we had all these uh, these special guests where we just blew up the Oakland A's for 2022. Um, so we're getting into it, to it now, but uh, it feels like they are a little bit emblematic of what is to come, what the timeline is for that. Not necessarily sure, uh, especially if the A's GM is waiting on the financials for uh, for 2022, but it doesn't look good is what I'm saying. So uh, I just wanted to pass that along. It's, they got all these arbitration guys, and you know the arbitration eligible guys, the guys that are, you know, the core pieces of this franchise right now. Your Bassett, Manaya, Montas, uh, Chapman, and uh, Olsen. Basically anybody that's not named Ramon Laureano or Sean Murphy and that wasn't a rookie last year. Um, yeah, those guys. Those guys are the arbitration eligible guys. And even Lou Trevino's are eligible. All those guys are making more money right now. And between that and having 13 free agents and an owner that doesn't want to spend any money, it's not looking great. So uh, that's the first segment for you guys today. Hope you're having a great day. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Coming up on the show, though, I'm talking a little bit about the CBA negotiations and some of what the players and the owners have been proposing and what I think about all that. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I'll be right back. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way that has all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow our new YouTube channel. Uh, it's at Locked On A's. Uh, like, subscribe, comment down below. Let me know what you guys think the A's are going to be doing this offseason. Name my baby down in the comments on YouTube. Also, thank you so much for making the Locked On A's your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. We are also free and available on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am also free and available at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you guys got any questions for us, uh, fill up that mailbag, lockdownathletics.gmail.com. But let's start talking a little bit about the CBA. And this is pulled from, uh, I got two quotes here uh, that are, they're not actually quotes. They're uh, just taken from the article from Evan Drellick and Ken Rosendahl that just posted, I think, uh, yesterday? Days running together. I don't know. I've been at work a lot. <laughs> but here is what I got. Uh, it says, as previously reported, the union's first proposal would have allowed players to become eligible for, for arbitration after two years instead of three. The union in May also proposed a change to draft order, increases in minimum salary, raises to the CBT uh, collective, uh, the 
you know, the, the thresholds and uh, changes to revenue sharing between clubs, changes to the way service time is calculated and bonuses for players who have yet to reach arbitration. Under certain circumstances, some players would be able to reach free agency sooner than six years as well. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that is shooting for the moon. That is shooting your shot. And if you're, you know, a player person like myself, um, that is that is a lot to ask. I applaud them for throwing all of that out there because that is if that's where you're starting and you have to come back a little bit, that's fantastic. Uh, arbitration eligible after two years instead of three. Some guys already get that. Like uh, I mentioned, Lou Trevino is one of those super twos. Uh, that, that is basically a super two is when you have a, enough service time in a certain group of people, you're a super two, you get that extra year of arbitration, but they want to make everybody a super two and it gets them a little bit more money. Is Lou Trevino projected to make a whole bunch of money next year? No, but he is projected to make double the minimum salary. So that's something. Um, would this doom the A's entirely the way that they operate? Yeah, it it might, it could. I Yes, yes, I think that the A's would cease to exist if there was an extra year of arbitration, even though they have team control. Uh, they don't get to only pay them, you know, 550000 I believe is the major league minimum right now. They don't get to pay them that anymore for three years. It would only be for two. So that is one big one. Um, the, the draft order would be an interesting one. Um, I don't know if theirs was necessarily, you can't be in the top five, three years in a row, uh, but it could be shaking it up where the teams that just missed the playoffs get the, the higher round picks, which uh, that is something that I find very, very intriguing. I would like to see that implemented for at least one stretch of a collective bargaining agreement, um, and, you know, test it out. It would take probably 10 years to figure out if it's working or not, but, I like it because um, you, you got to put things into place and, you know, get people out of their contracts and then see how those players are in the major league level. Uh, so it, it would take a while because baseball is not a quick return sport like the NBA or uh, the NFL. So it would take a while. But I like the idea of, hey, if you're trying and you just miss like the Toronto Blue Jays having the first pick. That is, I don't know if they'd have the first pick, but they'd be in the top five because they just missed. The A's would have a, a much higher pick than they currently do because they weren't tanking and they they just fell flat. Um, so that would be a very interesting thing, to uh, an interesting route to go with. Um, revenue sharing between clubs doesn't really affect the A's much anymore. Um, changes in the way that service time is calculated? On board, Yeah. Get these players to free agency sooner. That's what the players want, is they want to be able to bank, or, you know, get their get their bag sooner than they do currently. And can't blame them. Why, why, how, why would you? That's stupid. Um, and so uh, that, those, are, those are the main ones. But moving on to the second paragraph that I just straight up pulled from this article. And it says, quote, the league also proposed to eliminate salary arbitration in favor of a predetermined pool of money to be distributed to players. Um, I'm going to stop that right there. It doesn't say how much the pool of money is, uh, but it seems like, yeah, here's $30 million. Go fight amongst yourselves to go get it. No, that's a dumb way to do it. And that seems like, uh, you know, a way to keep labor down. 
and I don't think that the players would want that whatsoever. But let's continue with some of the things that the league is also proposing. Under MLB's proposal, players would become free agents once they hit 29 and a half, which might help some players who would otherwise have become free agents later, but hurt the best players who presumably would, under the current system, become free agents at a younger age. And this is another wild thing for the owners to be proposing. Because um, you got guys, you know, wh why not bring up somebody at 18 or 19 or 20 at that rate? If you get them for 10 years, 10 years. And also, you also get to just give them a whatever, a bonus pool money that's just distributed among all, all the players as opposed to an individual case-by-case -case basis is uh, what they're thinking. That is wild. No. Why would they go for that? No, that is so far back. They are just trying to control their costs right now, and that is stupid. Um, I, As a pro-labor, no. Just no. That's no. Um, and even like James Caprillion, who would benefit from this, uh, is he going to benefit that much? Sure, he gets to hit free agency slightly sooner, but is he going to be making a ton more than he would? Just through arbitration? A, a little, not a ton. He's not going to be getting like a seven-year deal or anything. So who would say yes to that? Nobody. On the player side, at least. I'm sure 30 owners would definitely want that. Um, and then they also included players would also uh, be walking out into a market where teams would be less inclined to spend than they are now because the CBT threshold would be lower and penalties for exceeding it would be higher. Um, so that is because they proposed a $100 million salary floor, but then the luxury tax kicks in at $180 million. So while as an A's fan, I like the salary floor as a fan of labor, 180, it, it, you got $80 million to prove that you're the best. And that would put more of a focus on the front office, which is interesting, but the A's also... I don't know that they're going to be a... I think that we would see a lot of teams investing in their front offices and how they evaluate players and whatever advantages that the A's currently have um, would probably go out the window fairly quickly. So that's fun. Um, yeah, anyways, on the labor negotiations front, the league and union are expected to hold in-person meetings Tuesday and Wednesday. So starting today during the GM meetings in Carlsbad, California. So we will probably get some leaked news sometime in the next couple of days um, and see where they stand right now. There's probably going to be a strike or a labor, labor unrest, a lockout, whatever they want to call it, but the season doesn't start until March. So uh, nothing really to lock people out from. They're not... Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the word is, but they're not doing that. So we're probably just going to have to wait. And there's probably going to be, you know, no baseball transactions until they get things figured out. Uh, I don't expect time to be missed during the season, but maybe I'm naive. I don't know. It's going to be a fun season. <laughs> what a fun offseason between labor unrest and the A's selling everybody. It's going to be a fun time, but we're going to have fun here at Locked On A. So make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts, especially on YouTube. <laughs> Anyways, coming up on the show, I am talking about the one guy that Major League Baseball trade rumors, MLB trade rumors, uh, said that the A's might sign of the top 50 free agents. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I will be right back. 
Welcome back to the Lockdown Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Lockdown A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you guys have any questions, fill up that mailbag. LockdownAthletics at gmail.com is where you send them. And uh, I will answer any and all questions. Ask me anything, really. AMA. Let's fill up that mailbag. I will answer all of them. But let's talk about the one player that Major League Baseball trade rumors, MLB trade rumors, I don't know why I keep saying Major League Baseball, it doesn't matter, MLB trade rumors says that the A's might sign of the top 50 free agents, and that is Alex Cobb. If you are unfamiliar with Alex Cobb, it's probably because he's hurt a decent amount. <laughs> In 2021, he he was decent. I'll be honest, he was decent. He went 8-3, and three, had a 376 ERA as a member of the Los Angeles Angels, but his FIP that it last year was a 292. So he was pretty solid. I gotta say, pretty solid pitcher right there. Uh, his walks per nine, 3.2. He's kept his walks in check throughout his career. So that does make him a decent fit for the A's if that is an avenue that they wanted to go with. And uh, basically, take a chance on him being healthy for a season and then cashing in on that. I'll get into that here in just one sec. His strikeout rate also went up. A, a lot. His career strikeout rate is 7.3 strikeouts per nine. In 2021, it was 9.5. So more than one an inning, where as before it had been almost two less than seven. So two less than one an inning um, over the course of his entire career, which started in 2011 as a 23-year-old with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been around a little bit. Uh, the one bad thing here with Alex Cobb, and this is why you'd be banking on him being healthy for one season, is he has not thrown over 100 innings in any of the last three seasons. So you'd have to go back to 2018 when he threw 152 and a third innings to get back to one of those types of seasons. Uh, in 2019, he went 12 and a third innings the entirety of the season, had a 1095 ERA. In 2020, shortened season, he pitched... He had 10 starts. That's roughly the full season, but it was a short season. So he only threw 52 and a third. And then in 2021, he missed a couple of months and he threw 93 and a third. So he approached 100, wasn't quite there, but he has thrown 100 with his arm before. So that's a plus. Um, whereas, you know, guys like James Caprillian and Frankie Montas had not reached that threshold. And you saw Caprillian tire out a little bit. As the season wore on, Frankie Montas is pretty good, though. So, is it something to be concerned about? No. But is the injury history something that I think could be worrisome? Yes. But it would also probably put him right in the ace price range. Um, I don't... I'm going to look up what they had him at just real quick. Um, and then I'll, I'll give you that. But the reason that I think that this isn't a bad suggestion... And that... Let me be clear. One... Uh, for each, uh, for each free agent in their article, they had uh, three people pr making predictions. They had three Nostradamis. Uh, <laughs> that made me giggle. Um, they had three people making prognostications for each free agent, and one person on one free agent in the top 50 uh, said that Alex Cobb, being that one guy, uh, would go to the Oakland Athletics. Uh, they did not get a lot of love. The A's did not get a lot of love in this entire article. 
uh, for getting, you know, the Kevin Gausmans or Corey Seager or Carlos Correa. Obviously, they're not signing those guys. That doesn't make any sense. That's not how the A's do things. Um, but I do think that they did kind of hit it on the head a little bit with a guy, if not Alex Cobb, somebody like Alex Cobb. Because if the A's do tear things down, kind of like we're expecting to, like I talked about in the first segment, I think that a guy like Alex Cobb, who has his his FIP last year was a 292. That is very, very solid. That is a solid FIP. And if you put a decent defense behind him, is he going to have that if you trade Matt Chapman and Matt Olson? Maybe not, but maybe you could get something for him on the trade market come the trade deadline in 2022. And I think that that is why he makes a little bit of sense for the Oakland A's at a, at a lowered price point. Um, so I think that that is something that I could get on board with if he's putting up those numbers. And if the A's aren't going for it, it doesn't really matter what he's doing. Do you want, as a fan, somebody who's going to you know make you want to watch, make you want to tune in, give you a little bit of hope that they could win each of his starts? Yes. Is Alex Cobb going to be that guy? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he is, though. Maybe he's maybe he's actually really good. I I legitimately do not remember watching any Alex Cobb starts, and I know that I've had to at some point, but <laughs> I do not remember them. Uh, I remember him being hurt and also not great with the Baltimore Orioles, and those are my lasting memories of Alex Cobb. Um, also, in this article, they said that uh, Mark Canna would probably sign. Uh, all three people projected that he would sign with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, that is the former Cleveland Indians team. They are now the Guardians now that the season is over. So Cleveland Guardians, get on board. Uh, that makes sense. The the Cleveland uh, host has been definitely reaching out about Mark Canna for years now. I think since I took over. So makes sense that that would be somebody that they would try and go after at the very least. Uh, and now, as I'm looking, I cannot find him for the life of me. I scrolled too fast. <laughs> uh, oh, well. But the point remains that I think that somebody like Alex Cobb, whether or not it is specifically Alex Cobb, does make sense for the Oakland A's as a buy-low candidate that they could potentially flip at the trade deadline. I found him. He's the number 39-ranked prospect, uh, not prospect, free agent in this free agent class, uh, and he is projected for two years and $16 million total, so probably $8 million a season. And at that price point, probably too high for the A's to just take a gamble on a hopeful trade candidate. But uh, hey, maybe. Uh, the other guys, or the other teams that he was projected to go to are the Royals and Red Sox. The Red Sox are definitely going to be in on basically any starting pitcher. And I have uh, mentioned maybe some of the A starting pitchers uh, being floated as trade candidates to go to Boston, uh, depending on what the package is. I'm going to try and figure out when I can talk to the host of Locked on Red Sox and maybe work out a trade like I did with uh, Ryan Finkelstein of Locked on Mets. And, uh, you know, I also had... RM Layton of Locked On MLB Prospects on to talk about some potential trade packages. And that was a well-received episode. So if you haven't seen that one, uh, I talked to RM about just some trade packages that could come to fruition if the A's did decide to move on from Olsen and Chapman and Frankie Montas. And we picked some teams and then picked apart their farm system a little bit. And 
uh, it was very insightful and uh, very well beloved by everybody who listened. So uh, listen, watch that one or listen to it either way, whichever one you want to do. Uh, that was just a couple of episodes ago. It says featuring Arm Layton in the title. So that is that one. Um, coming up on the next couple of days, I'm going to be talking to Bryce Patrick on Wednesday night. So Wednesday's episode will be a nighttime episode. Um, we're going to be talking about the state of the, the Rangers. I was just going to say the locked on Rangers of the Texas Rangers, because on this same list, they're getting some traction with one of these shortstops and it's a big free agent shortstop class. You got your Marcus Simeons. You got your Carlos Correa's. You've got your Corey Seager's. There are some big names out there, and uh, one of these shortstops is projected to go to the Rangers, so we're going to talk about what their plans are for this offseason, and also what what direction they're going in, who are they building around, what's going on in Texas. Let's get some insight on a divisional rival who we will most likely be battling for fifth place in the ALS in 2022. Let's come to blows over that. Uh, that'll be fun. Also, make sure to subscribe to Locked on Rangers on YouTube. He's doing a great job over there. He's knocking it out of the park. Bryce Patrick is uh, the best. I don't think that he's the best. Go follow Lockdown Rangers. Um, and then uh, we're going to be talking with oh, but Paul Holden. There we go. Of Lockdown Rockies. Uh, he wanted to talk about Carlos Gonzalez. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to talk about Carlos Gonzalez. Let's reminisce about just crappy ownership. So we're going to be talking about our, our crappy, crappy owners uh, probably for Thursday's episode, which will also be a nighttime episode. So uh, that's what we got coming up the next couple of days. And then uh, probably do another crossover for the Friday episode. Maybe I'll record that one on Thursday night as well and get that one up to you guys a little bit earlier on Friday. Schedule it for like noon. So that is the schedule the rest of the week for you guys. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode just catching up on a little bit of A's news. And of course, if anything big happens for the A's, if they get a budget and start making moves, I will let you guys know what is going on in A's land this off season. So make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts, follow our new YouTube channel. And again, thank you so much for making Locked On A's your first lesson of the day. Now go make Locked On MLB your second lesson. Uh, I was just on that show a couple days ago and uh, Sully talked my ear off about the Oakland A's. Ask me my insights. Uh, it was also in my feed yesterday. So uh, don't, don't listen to that episode. It's it's in my feed. It, you probably already listened to it at this point. Listen to another one. He's always talking baseball. He's he's an encyclopedia over there. That Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully. And Locked On MLB is free and available on all platforms, just like Locked On A's. Uh, thank you so much for listening today, but that's all that I got for you guys. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you tomorrow. Tomorrow.